Jets fans, Winnipeg is uh, ready and set to take on the Vancouver Canucks. It should be a fun game for Winnipeg, and hopefully we get some more healthy players back. Hopefully the Jets are ready to uh, not drop points against a team that Winnipeg has actually kind of had its way with this season. We'll talk about which players might actually be Jets soon enough on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, on tonight's tonight's episode, like I said, we're going to be talking a little bit about Winnipeg versus Vancouver, um, what we might expect from the Jets uh, and from Vancouver, as Winnipeg is definitely a team that has given this Canucks team some real nightmares this season. Not exactly been a fun run for Boudreaux's boys. Uh, and to, to some degree, I do, I do slightly feel for them. Um, even when they play decent hockey, they seemingly just implode somehow. Uh, and, and that's crazy because this, this team has the ability to score like six goals against some pretty top players pretty easily. But the problem is, is they just concede so many more. And when you break their morale and spirit, it, it <laughs> I got to be honest, it's very obvious how bad the, the, the locker room situation is there, how toxic the working environment is, and how much the players are just done. I mean, I, I, I've seen like the thousand yard stairs of this Canucks team before we're all kind of used to it because we saw this stuff with the Jets past couple of seasons when Maurice did stuff that would kind of make, you know, some of the players question what exactly the plan was and what was going on. You, you sort of noticed that the players and team kind of sort of quit in some games and could you really blame them? Probably not. When you feel like you don't have leadership, it, it just, it's hard to naturally feel motivated to give a hundred percent which is why, you know, bonus has been such a refreshing change of pace. But looking at this Canucks team, man, it's it, it's dire, right? You've got Petrosian, Horvat, and, and Kuzmenko kind of doing all their stuff. But, you know, one of the biggest, I would say, lightning rods of, of controversy has been JT Miller. Uh, JT had some really funny comments recently saying stuff like, um, I, I think my production or lack thereof is a result of defensive responsibility or something along those lines. Good grief, man. I, I, I don't know. Uh, JT, you know, we, we saw the last game, you know, the, the Jets played Vancouver. He was yelling at his goalie to get off the ice, even though he had dragged the puck behind his own net, which is kind of a high risk move. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, just everything with the Canucks team is broken. But I did mention, you know, I thought there might be some players on this team that could be potential Jets in the very near future. I think Horvat for me is probably going to go somewhere else just because uh, Bo is going to be really expensive. He's a big rental. And I think in a lot of ways, as much as I like Bo, I, I don't know if he's going to be the kind of guy that the Jets are looking at for, you know, a season beyond this. Um, Kuzmenko, 
I I actually like a lot. I think he's a phenomenal player. Every time I've seen his shifts, I I really like the way that he attacks space, the way that he drags and curls around the goal. Uh, And I I like his offensive participation around the slot area. I don't know what his underlying numbers are looking like this season. Uh, I, I can't imagine that it's great for very many of the Canucks, but you know, Kuzi, he's had a pretty good year and would certainly fetch a huge trade deadline return. The problem is, though, he is also a UFA, so if you're bringing him in, you better hope that you have an extension lined up, and for a dude who's almost a point per game right now, it's not going to be cheap. One guy that I've, I've kind of come around to there, too, I would say, um, Ilya Mikhaev and, and Brock Besser, but more specifically, I'm, I'm coming around a little bit on Besser. Um, he's one of those really tough calls, right, because Besser, he's got a big cap hit. Uh, he does have kind of a lengthy injury history, if we're being honest. And I, I do think that, comparatively speaking, I have him very far down on my priority list. But look, if the Jets are willing to take a gamble on a player who has uh, a phenomenal wrister, who actually looked pretty dangerous in Winnipeg's last game against this team, and uh, who actually got robbed by Hellebuck once or twice, I I think he presents a very intriguing prospect, especially because asset-wise, he's going to be cheap. You know, the, the Canucks are kind of like in some ways trying to give him away. So if Vancouver takes like a second or a third rounder or something and like a B-tier prospect, I don't know, man. I think the Jets might really get something special with Brock. But the other side of that coin is Brock might just be a guy who's like a third or, or you know, maybe even at tops like a second line winger but he doesn't provide the sort of production that you would expect with somebody of that nature, right? So it's a really tough call. I don't know if I love the gamble. Um, the the guy that I would be very interested in is Mikhaev. The thing with Ilya is that he doesn't quite move the needle in the sense of being like an elite top six guy, right? But if you're looking for a really productive attacking forward with a pretty strong release uh, and a guy who can easily bounce up to your second line or your third line and he doesn't have like a crazy bad cap hit, I wouldn't mind looking at Mikhaev. Uh, I think he was probably one of Vancouver's smarter signings. Um, they haven't had many of those, I'll be honest. But Mikhaev, I, I like his game. I think he would actually be a pretty solid boost to the second power play unit. I think his his ability to bounce up and around the top nine would be very helpful. And I think he would make some real you know, nasty matchup nightmares like the Jets used to have on their 2017-2018 team. This assuming that you know the rest of the Jets get healthy and everything, but... Mikhaev could definitely be the kind of guy that you maybe pair with like Mark Shifley or something. Uh, I think he can keep up with genuine elite skill. So if if uh, the Jets are looking to maybe try and, and find a more value-based option, I think he's a legitimate choice. But, you know, this Canucks team, everyone's going to be shopping there. I think everyone's going to be trying to get, you know, players off of them for a bargain. And Vancouver is not going to budge on some of these prices. So something to keep an eye on. Um, but, you know... In the meantime, the Jets have to take care of business and smack these Canucks around again, which, I I mean, at this point, it's like beating a dead horse, right? So is it really that uh, exciting or is it just expected? And I think we all know which of those answers uh, is the more accurate interpretation. So hopefully uh, a big win, you know, we'll we'll see how that pans out. But in just a little bit, I did kind of want to transition topics a little bit and talk about some of the league leaders for some of the awards right now and whether or not the Jets might be in the running as we're getting to you know, maybe the halfway point of the season in just a few weeks. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Built Bar. 
Those of you who have heard me talk about Built Bar know that I'm personally a big fan of them. If you're not really sure what a Built Bar is, it's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar with a 100% real chocolate exterior and a delicious, soft, chewy interior. They're also really healthy for you. And, you know, as good as they taste, they're really low in calories. They're low in fat. You know, most of these bars are clocking in at around 130 to 150 calories, maybe four to five grams of net carbs, and anywhere from 14 to 17 grams of protein, which is a lot, man. That's a great value, uh, especially for the calorie hit. And, you know, for those of you looking for maybe a meal replacement or something to, to chow down on before your next workout, or maybe just a, a bit of a snack that doesn't quite leave you with the same guilt and regret of a full-size candy bar, Built Bars are a fantastic option, and they come in great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. Previously, you could only order them on like Built.com, which is still a great option, especially if you want to choose maybe a variety pack that lets you pick flavors, but now you can find them at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Uh, Sam's Club even has a 13-bar box that gives you a selection of their hit flavors like brownie butter and uh, brownie batter and churro. So, you know, be sure to check that out. It's a great uh, way to kind of get your, your your feet wet and find out which built bars you like best. But as always, built.com remains the fastest way and uh, easiest way to get a, a great selection of, you know, all of their products and built bars. So be sure to check that out because built bars really aren't going to be something that you're, you're going to want to miss. And uh, you'll thank me later once you give them a shot. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We uh, we just talking about the Vancouver Canucks and maybe some not only preview stuff, but potential trade prospects for, for what we might see over the next few weeks as the Jets are looking to strengthen their team and Vancouver is looking to kind of tank on theirs. Now, uh, before we talk about some, some league leader stuff in terms of stats categories and things and, and maybe some races for uh, scoring awards and things like that, especially as it pertains to the Jets, because we do have some good candidates. I do want to recommend that you make your second listen of the day locked on NHL prospects. It's your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the NHL draft. It also features NHL draft rankings and top prospect comparisons for every team. Locked on NHL Prospects is available on YouTube and wherever you get your favorite podcasts, same as where Locked on Jets is, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. Circling back to uh, the NHL's league uh, leaders, obviously we've got a lot of great players this year. Um, Right now, you know, in terms of like total points, there's no one touching McDavid. He's on an unholy terror. Uh, Look, we've seen McDavid do McDavid many times in his career. But even by his standards, I mean, 73 points already is just, I I don't even know how to begin to describe it. This guy makes triple digit points look like it's it's a cakewalk, uh, which is really funny that, you know, you look at this Edmonton team and they're like not even in, in the top four of their division. I mean, this this squad for the Oilers is a huge and tremendously disappointing uh, overall outfit for a team that's got... The league's two top scorers. Uh, no kidding. They've got McDavid and Dreisaitl, and somehow they are like, what, fifth or something in the Pacific? So, I mean, what do you even say about this team and, and what McDavid is doing while the rest of the Oilers continue to lag behind? I mean, it's crazy. Um, I, I don't know if we're ever really going to see another player like McDavid other than maybe Bedard. Uh, you know, Bedard's already putting up numbers at the junior level that even McDavid wasn't doing. So, you never know, but let me tell you something. McDavid having the the sort of season that he has already. Uh, let's see, it's it's seventy three points in thirty nine games. 
Yeah, I mean, what? Honestly, sometimes you just have to laugh. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. And in those thirty nine games, he has one hundred and fifty one shots. I mean, look, I, I I get that it gets tiresome to talk about how great McDavid is, but when you're putting up numbers like that at the NHL level, I sometimes it's just truly breathtaking. He'll definitely be um, the Art Ross winner. Uh, he might even compete for you know the the. Um, the rocket Richard at this rate. Cause he's got 33 goals. And while he is, you know, not greatly in the lead, you know, Thompson and Ovechkin are not far behind. McDavid's just going to keep doing this the entire year. So wouldn't shock me if, uh, if in fact he wins not only the art, but also the Richard. Now, interestingly on the goal chase, Mark Shifley's not nearly as behind as he think he would be. He's got 23 this season, which is pretty darn good. It's right there with Kaprizov, uh, a little bit behind Rontanen and Pasternak. And Pasternak at times has been talked about as a potential heart candidate. So Shifley having a phenomenal year. Uh, this is what we're used to seeing from Mark. Um, and really, we just want to see more of it. Yeah, you know, Mark Shifley has been among this team's most important skaters, but you know, the last few years hasn't really been nearly as, as top as we would like to see it. But overall still a pretty monster season and uh, we're glad that he is back in form now on the defender side you know eric carlson is leading the way with points he's got 53 i i think he's probably the runaway norris favorite wouldn't shock me if he gets it Uh, but in second place is josh morrissey and this is probably the first real year that josh has ever looked like a norris candidate Uh, we're not really used to having players like this uh, especially on the blue line but Ever since Josh was told by Bones that you're going to be a Norse candidate this year, he's just taken off. So uh, congrats to Josh. If there's one player that I've continually said I really wanted success for, it's Morrissey. You know, we all love him. He was one of those players that even when we were talking about, you know, what do you do with him during his struggling seasons? You know, do you trade him or something? I always felt like it, it would be the wrong move just because on a personal level, I just liked him. You know, I didn't want him to go anywhere else. I thought, you know, even with the expensive cap hit, you just hope that at some point he pulls through. And it feels like Winnipeg's patience with him and and the wait to get a changeover in the coaching regime has unlocked the true Morrissey that I don't even know if any of us thought was possible. He looked like a really good complimentary defender, but like an elite top scoring, top pairing, attacking blue liner. Nah, this was like back to his junior days. So Phenomenal performance from him. Uh, behind him is guys, you know, our names like Dalin and Fox. Fox has already won Norris. Uh, Makara Watt has also won one. So Morrissey, I mean, he, he's playing a lot less than some of these guys and is, you know, second in scoring for defenders. So phenomenal season. So happy for Josh. And uh, wouldn't be shocked to see him get more than a handful of Norris votes at the end of the season. In just a little bit, we'll take a look at two more categories of league leaders. Uh, this is where the Jets might have an even better shot uh, in, in certain categories. And we'll talk about why this could be one of Winnipeg's best overall um, competing seasons for, you know, trophies. Because the Jets don't usually have this many guys competing for top honors and acknowledgments. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We're wrapping up really quickly with some final thoughts on some of, them, some of the league leaders out there. Uh, obviously, this has been an interesting year for stuff like goaltending and, and certainly for the rookie class. Um, in terms of goaltending, you know, Hellebuck is kind of in a bit of a dead heat right now with guys like Linus Olmark um, and Ilya Sorokin. 
I think for me, Ulmark may not be nearly as high on my list just because the Bruins in front of him are really flipping good and they don't give up a lot. So Ulmark, I think, has been pretty fantastic. And I think recently he's been doing even more heavy lifting. But the names that I'm kind of looking at right now outside of Hellebuck are, are Sorokin in particular and maybe Philip Gustafson. I think Gustafson deserves a lot more credit than he's gotten. Um, don't quite know if he's saving a lot more over expectation because Minnesota tends to be a stingy team, but uh, Sorokin certainly is. Uh, Sorokin has probably been one of the biggest reasons that the Islanders are on track for a potential playoff appearance. That Isles team is not great, uh, and they've they've struggled with consistency in terms of their on-ice performance this year, but Sorokin really hasn't wavered. So very interesting to see. Um, the thing with the, the, the Vesna right, is that while I, I would love Hellebuck to win it, I, I feel like the wins uh, and what they'll look at, you know, goals against average and, and save percentage, Hellebuck is like top five, top four for most of these categories. But I don't think he's going to be seen as, you know, the, the top goalie, even though he probably should be. Um, Helly has kind of carried this Jets team through some really ragged stretches this year where Winnipeg did not get much even strength or power play scoring. So yeah, I, I think he's had to do even more heavy lifting than some of these other goalies, but in terms of whether or not that's really reflected in the stats and whether or not the NHL voters are going to really recognize that, I don't know, but I would expect at least Helly to get a lot of finalist votes. I think he would probably be second or third place. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked with that. Now, on the rookie side of things, Cole Perfetti is in the mix of the top four names. Uh, he's behind Beneers, uh, Michelli, and McTavish. Um, Michelli is probably not somebody that's really been picked up by recently from, from like the news outlets and stuff, but he's got 22 points right there with McTavish. McTavish is definitely the more hyped prospect in part because of his Team Canada stuff and, and some of the goals that he scored for Anaheim. I, I feel like Beneers this year is probably going to win the award, but Perfetti being in the top you know, four for rookie scoring is fantastic. If Cole had had a little bit more finish this season, uh, I think he would certainly have a few extra goals to his name. I think he'd probably be closer to Beneers than some of these other guys. Cole is a phenomenal player. He's still kind of working on the puck management thing, but overall, you really have to like his passing and his, his vision and his hard work ethic. Kid is going to be a gem in a few years, and even if he doesn't win the Calder this season, I think he'll get at least a few uh, nominations for the finalist group and certainly deserves a lot of recognition. Taken as a whole, though, I think this is probably one of the most interesting seasons in, in Winnipeg's recent history. You have Winnipeg's players, especially their stars, performing at a really high level, and I think for me that speaks a lot to the confidence Bones has given his players, uh, the level that they're performing at, and just the general improvements tactically, Hellebuck is also having a Vezina caliber season, so that's fantastic. But it feels like for once, we're not just relying on him. He, he <laughs> I'll be honest, he is bailing us out a lot. But, you know, you've got Morrissey playing at an elite level again. Uh, Shifley is playing out of his mind again. We're seeing other players like Dubois have amazing nights at times. It just feels like a really good time to be a Jets fan, and I think that's what we were really waiting for. I think we've been waiting for this team to show up again and remind us why just a few years ago they were going to be a dynasty, right? This team had so much potential. And while it's certainly diminished now, this team still has the ability to be really good. And I think we're we're on track to see Winnipeg really have uh, 
not only a, a really important season for the fan base, but also one for the players. I think this is a really good learning experience for a lot of the kids. I think Heinola and Perfetti are really starting to stamp their names on the team. Sandberg as well has really cemented his place in the top six. So uh, a phenomenal time for the defenders and for some of the young forwards. And we just hope those good times keep on rolling. Now, that is actually going to be all the time that we have for tonight's episode, but I did want you to drop your thoughts about where this team is going, and if you think the Jets might win any awards for their players uh, in the comments below or at my social medias at HLivingLoco or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Uh, be sure to make your second listen of the day at Locked On NHL Prospects. It's your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the NHL draft. You can find Locked On NHL Prospects on YouTube or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So as always, thanks so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.